Welcome to Embrace the Musica, where we're going to dig into the raw, vulnerable, tough, and beautiful pieces of this journey called life. I'm Dominique Dines, who at the age of 21 moved abroad to Mexico to start teaching after growing up in a small town in Minnesota. My husband is from Peru, and we met salsa dancing 10 years ago in Guadalajara, Mexico. Here we are today raising two lovely tricultural kids. We speak more Spanish than English in our home and do a lot of salsa dancing in the kitchen. Embrace the Musica is going to be a place where we talk about what it's like being married to someone from a completely different culture, living in a place that neither of us grew up in, being a working mom, constantly fighting or accepting cultural norms, and all the things that keep us afloat, which includes a lot of heart and humility. So let's embrace the Musica today. Hi friends, welcome back to Embrace the Musica. This week, I have invited a woman that I admire so much. Carol Martinez is not only a go-getter in so many areas in her life, but she's also involved in so many different parts of expat life here in Guadalajara. And to top it all off, she has one of the biggest hearts for volunteering and serving others in the community. Terrell has led the Guadalajara Junior League chapter, which she's gonna tell us more about today. And she's also the one who started that infamous Facebook group, Women Helping Women, which I've mentioned several times on the podcast. So Terrell is so great at bringing people together, and she honestly has such an inner strength that I can't help but admire as her friend. So Terrell, thank you so much for coming on Embrace the Musica today. Can you just start by telling us where you're from and what brought you to Mexico? Sure, Dominique, thank you for having me. I just want to let you know that I've been listening to your podcast and it's just, it's been great. I've been so inspired by the women that you've had on. So I feel really honored to be asked to be a part of it. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, sure, okay, so what first brought us to Mexico was my husband's job. <laughs> um, he had worked for a large company in the US and they had an opportunity here um, for a couple of years. And we had lived in Mexico before. We had lived in Torreon and in Mexico City about 20 years ago when we were first married. And um, so when he came home from work, you know, this this time and was like, hey, the company has an opportunity for us in Mexico for a couple of years. Um, I was eight months pregnant and I was actually like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, no, like I, I don't want to change countries right now. I had a seven year old who um, just absolutely loved her school. We lived in a really, um, just a nice community. And even though we didn't have family there, we had developed a really good network of, of friends who really felt like family. So at first I wasn't too keen on the idea of moving here, truthfully, um, just because it was a really big change at a point in my life where um, I didn't, I just wasn't expecting it, you know? So, um, so, but I, I'm, I am open-minded though. So I was like, okay, well, let's go, let's go look at it. And honestly, I think I slid in under like the last week before you cannot fly anymore as a pregnant woman. <laughs> so, um, so we got here and, and we looked around and we really, we really liked it. And, um, and we thought, yeah, we can definitely stay for two or three years. It, it'll be a great experience. And, um, it's ended up being almost 10 now that we've been here. <laughs> I was gonna ask, wait a minute, how, like, you've been here a lot longer than two or three years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but my daughters really love it here. Um, I, I love it here. At first, it was, it was a tough adjustment, to, to be honest. Um, 
And that's actually what led me to um, to doing things like WHW and to doing Junior League, um, helping other people and also having a purpose while I've been here has really helped me enjoy it even more than I would have, I think, without doing those things. For sure. Can you actually tell us, Terrell, the story of how you started WHW or Women Helping Women? I've heard this story a number of times, but I just love hearing how intentional you were and how it all started. And I didn't even realize until I saw today that is this weekend or this week, like celebrating eight years now of WHW? Yeah, yeah, it was eight years ago. So, um, well, so our first year here was, it was just really challenging. When we first got here, my husband was very busy at work. I had a newborn um, and I had a seven-year-old who um, was kind of bouncing off the wall. She wanted to get to school and she wanted to to meet people and have fun and stuff. And it was just, it was, it was a lot to deal with really at first. Um, but before the man who had my husband's job left, I met his wife um, and she was great. She introduced me to a few of her friends and they became my really good friends. Um, a lot of them went away for the summer, but then they came back. And that whole first year, um, at the end of that first year, I just thought, oh my gosh, what would I have done without these women who were so generous with with their time and just answering questions for me and helping me figure out how to how to do things? Um, because when you first move to a new country, I don't I don't care, you know, how smart you are or how what profession you were in before, you you end up starting kind of at ground zero where you just feel like you don't know how to do anything anymore. And it's it's frustrating. And there's a lot of pressure on moms, you know, a, a lot of the success of the expat experience or just living abroad is placed on the shoulders of, of the mom. You want to make sure that the kids are happy. You want to make sure that everything's good around the house. Um, and we often end up not having any time for ourselves. Um, and we often end up in a place that's that's a real it's really challenging. So at the end of that first year, um, I looked back again and just thought about how much more challenging it all would have been if I hadn't had these few friends. And we moved to a house that had 40 chairs in it. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, what am I going to do with all these chairs? And I just decided to have a coffee and just invite all of the women that I had met that year that were that were foreigners um, that were living here in a new place and, you know, just doing their best to try to make things work so that we could just get together. And um, that's when we decided to make the coffees like a monthly thing during the school year um, because a lot of expats travel over the summer. And um, and we came up with the idea of putting it um, online and making it a Facebook group too. That was that was Gabby's idea, my friend Gabby, and she was able to get it up and running. And that has been, the coffees themselves are great, but the Facebook page that goes along with it is really just, I think, one of the best aspects about, about WHW. Um, women can ask any question that they have there. Um, it's meant to be just a support group for for women who get here and who, um, you know, maybe need to get a driver's license. How, how do I get a driver's license? And how do I even start taking Spanish classes? How do I get my kids in Spanish classes? Where's Where can I find a good doctor? Um, there's all kinds of questions like that, that if you come here and you don't know the language, 
it's very it makes it very very frustrating to try to to communicate in another language when you have these like essential questions to to be answered you know now in that facebook group i mean it's incredible there's over 500 women it's close to 600 i know some have left and like you know, some still stay in the group even when they move again because it's been such a fun resource for all yeah. of us and a fun community. Um, you've also been the president of the Guadalajara Junior League. Can you tell the listeners what the Junior League is and how you first got involved with that? Sure. Um, well, my parents always instilled in me a compassion for other people, people who were facing challenges in their life. And, and also when I lived with them when I was young, I experienced a lot of, of challenges with them as well. So volunteering and helping people is just something that um, is super important to me. I, I think it's always it's always good to help other people. And I think it feels it feels good. It, it allows you to have a connection with people that um, you know, maybe you wouldn't otherwise have. And, and it's a reminder that we all are connected. So um, the Junior League of Guadalajara is a volunteer organization and it's it, it has um, two parts to its mission. One is to train women to um, become effective agents for change in their communities. Um, through, and it's through doing volunteer work. So the volunteer work is the second part of the mission. Um, it's part of a larger association called the Association of Junior Leagues International which is in four different countries. Um, there's a junior league in Mexico City and besides for the one that we have in Guadalajara. And um, I've been really pleased to be able to go to the National AGLI conference and to and to represent the junior league of, of Guadalajara and, and to represent Mexico and, and the work that, that we do here. Um, each junior league is tasked with trying to figure out what the main challenges are in their community and then develop programs that help meet those needs, um, help get those programs funded, um, and evaluate those programs and see if they're working in the community, and to build a, a network of support in the community. So um, becoming a, a part of Junior League to me was just, was just a great opportunity to do something that I already like to do. <laughs> So I started out as a member uh, the first year, and then I became a board member the next year. And I was the vice president for membership for five years. And then I was president for a, a two-year term. No, I, I mean, I think it's incredible all the things that the Junior League has done here in Guadalajara. I wasn't super familiar with it until I heard you talking about it a few times. Can you just highlight a couple of the programs or the ways you're helping communities here in the city? Yeah, sure. We have um, like five different programs right now. We're first of all, I just want to say we're a small group of women. We're only about forty-five women, um, but we but we do a lot of work all together. Mm -hmm. So um, we have small a program called mighty. Yeah, exactly. Um, we have a program called Mibi Yo, where we take packages of needed items to new mothers at the Hospital Civil. Um, and there's things in those packages are like diapers and a onesie, um, some feminine products for the mothers, and also some information on um, what to do if the mothers are in danger. Um, and then we also have another program called Sabados Musicales, where we have a music class um, that's offered to the, the children at the Sueños de Esperanza's orphanage. 
and um, our instructor who does the music classes is actually Maria, who does or Malala, um, who does the the music together classes. Um, that'll, yeah, she is. I mean, I first I first met her when I took Elena, my youngest, to to classes with her, and you know I just kept in touch with her and. One day I told her about this program and she's like, I, I want to do it, I, you know, and she's just is, is such an awesome person. She's so generous with with her gift that she's been given. Yeah. And actually, just to talk about Malala real quickly, mm-hmm. you're the one who recommended that class to me five years ago. Oh, yeah. and so that's how <laughs> I met her. And then she was actually a podcast guest on episode 13. Yeah, I heard that. That was, that was great. She did a great job. I just, yeah. it's so, it's been so neat to see her go from, you know, just starting a business to, you know, uh-huh. having a, a really good business. Um, and hopefully she'll get back to being able to do the same amount of classes after COVID's over. It's a really, it's a tight community here of women who, uh, of women who want to be active and, and to help other people. And thank, thank goodness for that, because there's a huge need here. So um, one of our other programs is a soup kitchen program that we do in San Monocotan. Um, where we provide food for about 200 people. Um, and we do it just about like once or twice a month we were able to do it. And then we also have a program that's called First Impression where we help women um, who are in financial need um, to get ready for first job interviews. And we also have another program called Hecho en un día or Done in a Day where we work with other um, ACs like um, or other ACs, Operation Sonrisa, Operation Smile, so that we can help them by working together to have like more of an impact. That's amazing. Like you guys have so many different things going on with Junior yeah, Lake. I know. And I'm, I was so excited about a program that we're just starting too. It's called Niños Fuertes, Hombres Fuertes, which is a program um you know, a lot of the, I, I realized thinking one day about all of our programs and a lot of them work with women and children who are in need. Um, and I started thinking about, you know, what's one, of, what's one of the reasons why they're there? Why are they in that place? And we started um, just doing a little bit of research on, on gender equity and the effect that gender equity can have on society as a whole, the good effects that it can have. And um, anyway, so from the United Nations, um, from some United Nations materials, I put together a, a program that is gonna be called Niños Fuertes, Hombres Fuertes, where we'll be working with um, small groups of boys at the at one of the DIVs here in Guadalajara. Um, or in Zapopan, sorry. Um, and we'll be talking to boys about things that will um, help them be able to to respect women and girls and to treat them with with respect because a lot of the women who we see are very poor um, and they're in situations which are absolutely not ideal because they've been um, victims of abuse victims of you know not being paid well victims of just not not being treated as as equals so we're really we have big hopes for this program unfortunately we've had to put it on a hold for for covid but we're excited to to be able to do it that program sounds incredible like i got goosebumps as you were talking terrell oh thank you (laughs) 
everyone, it's me, Dominique, with a quick little interruption mid-episode today. As we have heard from so many inspiring women over the last few months, I have some really exciting news. I'm going to soon be launching something new for all the listeners of Embrace the Musica. So if you have enjoyed listening and learning from so many women, you're going to love what's coming next. Stay tuned to DominiqueDines.com where I will be posting more resources and opportunities for more women empowerment and encouragement. Let's get back to today's story. Um, Beyond all of the organizing of events and all the volunteering that you're doing in Guadalajara, which I know keeps you really busy, but you're also a busy mom. You have two girls at home. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah, sure. Um, My husband and I have been married for about 23 years, and he's the president of the company here, too, so he has a lot of of demands on him (laughs) job-wise and time-wise. And we have a 16-year-old daughter, Natalie, who um, is just starting her junior year this year. So I've just like really been hit this year that she's going to be graduating, going off to college soon, and um, we're just going to miss her so much. She is such a just an unbelievable person, and we're we're so lucky to have her as a daughter and to have both of our daughters. They're they're just great kids. And Natalie actually started a junior league student volunteer group at. Um, cool at school with a with another um with with the daughter of another junior league member um and that member has graduated so she's going to be uh leading that this year so it's really it's really great to see her um you know making those kinds of things important in, in her life um I used to look at one of my friends and she would go horseback riding with her kid and I was like, I don't have anything like that with Natalie, you know, something that we could do together where you can kind of, you know, just get out of the the mother-daughter conflict that can arise yes. <laughs> with teenagers, right? And then I was like, wait a minute, I volunteer with her. Volunteering together is our thing that we do together. And I've been taking her to volunteer with me since she was seven. And um, she is she's great. So I'm really proud of her. When as one of her former teachers, <laughs> I can also say, like, I can't believe she's a junior, but I'm also just so proud of the young woman she's grown into. It's amazing. Yeah. And our other daughter is Elena. She's nine years old, um, and she's just starting third grade this year. Um, and she's just, she also is just amazing. She's a really, um, just a sweet spirit, and she's just always... She's always so happy. She's artistic and she's um, she's just a really neat kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, speaking of Elena, you and Alex have had a really rough journey the last couple of years with Elena and just hearing the news that no parent ever wants to hear. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Elena's journey with leukemia and how that has affected you as a family as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so three summers ago, uh, Elena um, had bronchitis, and it was at the end of the school year. And after the bronchitis was over, I noticed that the color really wasn't coming back to her to her face, and um, and I noticed that she had some bruises on her legs, and I thought, well, that's weird because. 
we were, you know, she was at home for the whole week. She wasn't playing on the playground and doing the usual stuff, you know, that she would get bruises from. So um, something just told me that there was something wrong. Um, so I called her pediatrician and he had us go in for some blood tests. And um, he called me as soon as the blood test came in and told me that we needed to schedule an appointment for the, the hematologist. Um, so the hematologist is also an oncologist, which I didn't know at that time, but I, I know now I know a lot about this kind of stuff that I, um, childhood cancer that I didn't know before. Um, so within about 24 hours after that, um, when I was at the hospital and she was diagnosed with leukemia, she was diagnosed with all, it's called um, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And the, I've described it before, it really felt like, um, it felt like someone kicked me across the wall and I hit the wall hard. It was a very, um, it was just something that you never think is going to, is going to happen. Um, and it just, yeah, and it just, you know, it was just a big realization that from now on, you know, um, that things would just be, things would, would, would be different for, for her and, and for us. Um, the first year we spent um, over 90 days in the hospital uh, with her. Um, she had an appendicitis. It was a side effect of one of the, of the medicines and she had to be in a pediatric ICU. Um, and that was really tough. It started to affect some of her other organs. And, you know, one day um, she was on a heart monitor and the next day she was on oxygen and the next day she couldn't walk to the bathroom. And this is just within a couple of days. And um, I started getting scared that, that we might that we might lose her. And thank goodness for the doctors here and especially um, the doctor that worked at the at the pediatric ICU. He was he was just amazing. Um, and he told me, you know, she's gonna be okay, everything's gonna be fine. And and I believed him. And she also has an unbelievable oncologist who is uh, a, a woman who is just absolutely outstanding um, in what she does. And she also is just a super nice and genuine and wonderful person. So we've been so blessed to have really good doctors um, with her. We At first, uh, when we found out, we thought, well, maybe we should go to the States. Um, but then we found out that for the type of leukemia that she has, the, the treatment here is the same as it would be at St. Jude's in the States. Um, so after thinking about, you know, we live really close to the hospital here, um, my husband, you know, wouldn't have been able to leave with me and go to, to Tennessee to, to be at St. Jude's. It would have just been me going with her. And, and my oldest daughter wouldn't have been able to go either. She would have had to stay in here. So it would have, or she would have had to stay here in Guadalajara. So it would have really separated our family. And we thought that that would create a lot of added stress um, on, on Elena. And so we just decided to, to stay here. We have a great network. We had a maid and um, you know, who helped keep things going, you know, and she cooked and sent meals to the, to the hospital when Elena, um, 
either refused or couldn't eat the hospital food. <laughs> um, so, so we ended up really just having a great support network. We had so many friends and um, that just reached out to to help us. And and Elena has really just been absolutely amazing. Um, she's so strong and so resilient and so funny. And she has she has tough days, but she always bounces back. And for for us, you know, it was. It was it was hard. There are a lot of parents who go through stages of grief when when their kids are diagnosed with something like that. And and I think I did go through some of them, but I never I never asked why me or why my daughter, um, because cancer doesn't choose. It's just it's just a statistic, and and she happened to be one of a statistic. Um, her doctor told us right away. There's nothing that you did, and there's nothing that your child did to make this happen. And that took away a lot of, um, you know, immediately when you hear that your kid had something as a mom, you kind of start to think, what did, what did I do? Or what, you know, what could I have done differently? And the fact that the doctor let us know that right away just helped um, relieve us of any of that kind of overthinking. Um, you know, even through the, the struggles with, with her and that we faced with her, that there have been so many gifts. Um, along the way of, you know, reflection and growth um, and compassion for, for each of us. And that I really feel like when people are faced with something that's really tough, um, that even within those times, there are opportunities for real, you know, self-growth and personal development. Terrell, was she six when she was diagnosed? Yeah. Yeah, she was six. So, and how is she um, doing now? She's doing she's doing really well. She's in um, the last year of treatment. She'll be done by the end of the school year. She was supposed to be done um, a few months before, but we've had to add a few months to her treatment um, because, like, when she's been in the hospital, they've had to stop chemo and and things like that. So those like ninety days that we spent in the hospital just got added on at the end of her of her treatment. But but it's okay. It's it's all right. You know I. I think that one of the most important things to say about having a kid who goes through something like this is that you just have to accept it and you just have to surrender because there's nothing you can do about it. Not adding any and not adding to the difficulty of the situation by creating, you know, unnecessary drama, um, I think is just is just so helpful because we can we can overthink things and we can um you know create a lot of drama why me and and that kind of stuff but that doesn't it doesn't help the situation doesn't help you process anything it's just it just makes things more difficult so and our our resistance to things is actually what causes a lot of a lot of our pain you know uh, emotional and even sometimes physical so no, you brought up so many good points there, and I think a lot of what you said is so important, and it's often, or probably always easier said than done, um, you know, to not react in certain ways, but I know that COVID and the pandemic has made things even harder this year for everybody, but especially your family, because you've had to be so careful, um, you know, just take like extra precautions for Elena and her health. 
how do you find peace and hope on the long days? Because I know you have long days. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, for in her office, the the doctors, it's it's an oncology group of three oncologists, and and they have advised the parents, uh, the families of kids who are being treated um, with chemo to not go out of the house unless it's an emergency. Um, and so it's been, and also not to let anybody come into your house. So um, that that full quarantine that everybody did, like right at the beginning where they just, you know, completely hunkered down and just stayed inside, we've been doing for five months now. And yeah, <laughs> it's it's been, it's been a challenge, um, but, a lot of people don't realize how much chemo lowers your defenses. Um, Elena wasn't able to go to school the whole first year after she was diagnosed because her defenses were so low. And so we had to do homeschooling. So um, and then this last year, she was able to get back about two thirds of the time, which was great. Um, but when their defenses are low, you cannot possibly send them to school because it's just so germy, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. So it just it it's just not worth the risk for us. So um, because we love her so much, um, you know, none of us are are taking the chances. Of my husband's working from home, um, I'm staying home. My teenage daughter is even staying home. Um, and God bless her because you know, with all the social media that's out there these days, she sees her friends out doing stuff and being at the beach and um, doing all kinds of things, and she she is dedicated to doing what she needs to do to keep Elena healthy and being part of our team. So I just, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. <laughs> do you feel like this has all brought you even closer as a family? I I do. It, it totally has. I was thinking the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, our family just feels so much closer. I mean, um, we're really enjoying our, our time together, even doing like, even playing like board games, you know, something that we may, you know, have like never really done before because we didn't, we just didn't have that much time together because we were all, we were all busy people. Um, it's just, it's been great. It's been, there, there have been gifts during this, this quarantine that, you know, are, are undeniable. Um, some of the things that I've done personally, um, to try to just do self-care because it's so, so, so important right now. And I wasn't very good at doing it before. So it's, it's a, it's been a good lesson for me on doing it. I've just, I've been doing yoga again and I've been walking and meditating and, um, listening to podcasts, um, occasional happy hours with my friends. That's, that's been good. And also just reading, um, I read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, um, oh, so which is a, such a good book, especially right now when we're in this period where all we have is right now. You know, you can think about the past, but it's not going to it's not going to help you. Um, it's just going to make you feel like depressed, you know, really like I used to get, be able to do, go do these things and now I can't. And if you think about the future too much, we end up, you know, feeling kind of anxious because none of us really knows what's going to happen. Um, I'm used to be, a, I'm going to say I used to be a planner because I really was a planner. But this time here has taught me that, 
you can't really you can't really plan <laughs> i know it's hard for all of us who love plans um yeah one of the other things, Terrell, that I know one of your passions in life is writing. It's also one of your gifts, and you have authored a few books. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about your journey as an author? Sure, sure. Um, well, I started writing books um, a few years ago, just when, when the girls were little. I would just be inspired by all the like just funny, like silly, crazy things that they would do. Um, and so I just, I just, I just started writing. Um, and my, my process for writing is kind of weird. <laughs> I've realized um, from talking to a lot of, of authors, um, a lot of people are just like, oh, um, flowers. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by flowers and I'm gonna write a book about flowers. Um, and my books really aren't, aren't like that. Um, my books usually just kind of come to me kind of whole and I just have to like write them down super fast um and then I go back and I do always make like a few changes um but I have I have a lot of I have a lot of manuscripts so um the opportunity to to publish for the first time was uh, was really great it, I didn't I didn't think I'd be able to publish here because my books are in English um but I met someone um, with an educational publishing company called Best Academy, um, with Katrina, who you had on on the show recently, she's she's awesome, um, and they asked me to write three early readers uh, for for kids in their English program. So so I did that. That was a lot of fun. Those books are super me, bath time, and wake up, and they're all inspired by by the girls. <laughs> so now, are all of your books children's books? Yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all children's books. So, um the other the other books that I've done are Chicharo and I am me is the most recent. And Chicharo is just like a funny funny book. Like it just occurred to me one day that the that the word Chicharo sounds like Figaro. So, um I just did like a play on words between between those two. And I am me is about um is about just a girl who just realizes that you know everybody has um kind of a light that shines with from within them everybody is here for a reason and everybody has everybody has value um so i i really like the 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 last one i think is really the book that i'm most proud of because i think it's something that will inspire kids when they when they read it and, and i think it's that's i am me yeah and, I just think it's great to be able to do that. I used to be a teacher, so inspiring kids is something that I really feel passionate about too. Yeah, for sure. And I remember, because when that book first came out, you would often, would you, you'd bring a cape with you to the classrooms, right? Oh, that was super me, yeah. Oh, that was um, super me. Okay, I'm getting yeah, confused, yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I got to go to the American school and to read it to lots of different groups of kids. Um, and I even had um, like a raffle. I, I had a cape made and I, I raffled it off to um, to one of the kids that bought one of the books at the at the book fair. And um, the little boy that got it, it was just so cute. It was it was really it was really neat to see. And that that book also was inspirational. I was just telling kids like, you know, maybe you can't control what's happening around you, um, but you can control how you feel about it. 
and how you react to it. And if you feel like there's, you know, like a super you inside of you, you can handle all kinds of, you can handle all kinds of stuff. I love that. And I love the message and just how important that is and timely (laughs) with everything happening right now. We can't control this, but we can react to it or control how we react. Um, Exactly. (laughs) No, Terrell, I feel so inspired every time I talk to you and get to hear more of your story and just how you handle all of this with such grace. Um, Yeah, you're just truly an amazing woman. Is there anything else that you'd like to encourage the listeners with today? Yeah, um, I mean, I I know we're in COVID right now, but I would really like to say like one of the best ways to, um, once we can start, you know, hands-on volunteering work again, one of the best ways to to help yourself is by helping others. It's it's a great way to get out of your head and it's a great way to um, have for, do you know, just, just remind you of perspective and just remind you that of our connection that we all have with with one another. Um, I think that I think if anybody can can volunteer um, in any way, shape, or form, they're doing something to make the world a better place. And and I think right now, I think a lot of us are really struggling with. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that we used to be able to do that we can't do anymore, and just surrendering to what's going on right now just makes it so much easier um to to handle you know what's what's going on right now for sure terrell i was just thinking as you said that is there any way if somebody who's listening wanted to get involved with junior league or wanted to help in some way is there a place we could send them yeah um if if they want to get in touch with me um or if they want to go to the Junior League page, there's there's the Junior League page. It's www.juniorleaguadalajara.org. Um, they can go there or they can get in touch with me and I can put them in touch with the new membership um, team that, that the Junior League has this year. And um, they're kind of rethinking things right now, just like a lot of places are having to rethink um, things because of because of covid so i think it's going to be interesting to see what they do this year and they're going to be doing some exciting exciting things awesome well i'll be sure to link um, to the junior league to the website um your contact information and then also a link so people can get your books if they're interested um after listening today but thank you so much terrell for being on the podcast today and for being a guest Thank you so much, Dominique. I, I love that you're doing this. I think you're just such an inspiration um, to to a lot of women who have wanted to, you know, uh, women have ideas all the time. We're all really creative people. <laughs> and um, it's just great to see that you had this idea and that you made it a reality and also that you're making it a platform for other women to become inspired. And I just, I think it's great that you did that. And I just want to thank you for follow, for having the courage to follow through with that. I think it's amazing. <laughs> well, I think that's what you and I both love so much is this community we have and just being able to help and empower um, other women within the community. So it works out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, darling. If you enjoyed today's episode and if you were encouraged by the message, I would love to hear from you. Please subscribe, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. 
take a screenshot and post it to Instagram and tag me so that we can keep growing together. And until next time, with heart and humility, embrace la musica. <laughs>